Today we have an interview with Dan Langell from BSD Can. But before we get to that interview, I want to talk briefly about some issues with running the BSDs as a desktop operating system. What I'm going to be saying today is some people would call it a rant, me just giving my personal opinion about some certain things. BSD is often used on the desktop, but uh, its primary platform, I think, is on the server. That's where you'll see it most often used. There's some, perhaps some limitations with using the BSDs or actually any non-Windows operating system on the desktop. When people think about commercial applications and a lot of the features that they might be used to. Common examples are uh, multimedia files on the internet or Flash or Shockwave. Certain PDF features and Java are, are a lot of the common issues that come up uh, regarding using the BSDs as a desktop operating system. So in the end, these free operating systems that are that attempt to work like commercial Unix or follow that Unix design philosophy, when they're free, there are restrictions on what you can distribute along with a free operating system. A lot of commercial software out there does not allow you to distribute their software, even if their software is zero cost, they don't want you distributing it with your operating system. They want the end users to be going to their website and downloading the software from them. And so that can make it difficult to distribute certain things with a desktop operating system that's free. There are also legal and patent issues with certain things. A good example is the MP3 format for sound and music. The MP3 format is encumbered by patents in the United States of America. And therefore, anyone that ships the MP3 codex is required to pay a license fee. I don't know. It's, it's minimal, maybe only 10 cents. I'm not really sure per device. But when you're allowing anyone to download your operating system for free, you're obviously not collecting those royalty payments. And so the MP3 codec is not allowed to be distributed for free in the United States of America. There also are... Um, audio and video codecs that are just locked up in their secret, especially with digital rights management, such as a lot of the Windows Media formats. So it, it's complicated with these free operating systems. Some of these commercial applications are available for Linux, but they have to be downloaded. And BSD is capable of emulating Linux to the point where most of these things can run reasonably well, although sometimes they'll, different updates won't work as well and they'll have to do some work. But uh, the experience 
can be a little frustrating on the desktop. Certain applications like Java are almost native on BSD, although I don't think Sun Microsystems has made the commitment the BSD users would like to providing a simple installer. So it's a little bit of a frustrating experience. I, you know, to kind of go off on a rant, these free operating systems are designed to mimic the Unix philosophy. They're not designed to mimic the Windows philosophy. I think a lot of people get a hold of a free operating system like Linux or BSD, throw it on a computer, and expect to have a similar experience to Windows. And I think that's setting up the wrong expectations. I'm not saying that the BSDs and Linux and the free operating systems out there aren't capable of being acceptable desktop operating system. But I'm saying that you miss the real power and beauty of these operating systems if you view them only as a free clone of Windows. The Unix design philosophy is elegant and it's wonderful and it's powerful. And I think people need to step back and take a look at that way of doing things. The Unix philosophy treats everything as a text file, has a variety of very small applications that do one thing and do them well, and they aren't delivered to you in a feature-rich single application. Rather, they're delivered as a bunch of little applications where you can choose to chain them together to do powerful things. On the Unix system, you do not wait for a single powerful application to be delivered to you with a limited set of features. Instead, you're given an operating system which is comprised of a variety of little pieces that you can mix and match and create your own solutions. And that is a very powerful thing. The operating system is a tool that you can use. It's not a solution necessarily that is delivered to you. In order to get at a lot of this um, power, you really need to work from the command line and you need to chain applications together. So I really recommend that you take some time at the command prompt, learn about all the little utilities. You learn about how to use text files to get information in and out of stuff, how to use the pipe to send the output from one command to the input of another, and it's really amazing. It's like being given um, Legos or Lincoln Logs or a variety of these toys that children have, and when they come out of the box, they're just a bunch of little pieces, but you, if you use your imagination and you put them together, they can become anything. So that's my little rant on uh, Unix as a desktop operating system. Yes, you can browse the web with it. Yes, you can view pictures and watch movies. But the real power of it is when you use it as a tool as opposed to just a program. Now I have a, an interview with Dan Langell from BSDCAN. And uh, you have to forgive the audio on it. Uh, unfortunately, the phone that he was on was a little bit uh, quieter than usual, and so I had to amplify his portion of the interview, so it's a little bit noisy, but uh, it's still great content. I'm speaking with Dan Langell, and we'll be talking about the BSD CAN, the conference in Canada, related to BSD. So maybe you could introduce yourself and let us know what's going on. 
Hi, uh, my name is Dan Langell. Uh, I'm the guy that started BSC CAN back in uh, 2004, I think was the first year. And uh, it got started because I knew the guy that runs the Ottawa Linux Symposium, and I figured uh, if he could do that, then there's no reason why I couldn't do a BSC conference here in Ottawa. So you've been running it for a couple years now. I, I'm hoping the attendance is getting larger every time. Uh, yes, yes, it is. It started off 2004. We had about 100 and, 153, 173 people. Uh, last year we had about 200 people, and I'm expecting it to you know, increase by about 10% again this year. Great. Any sense so far of any speakers or projects going on at the conference, or is it too early to tell? Uh, yes, we're in the final stages of selecting the papers for the conference. Um, as last year, we'll have about uh, 24 talks spread over two days, and in the next week or so, we'll be notifying the uh, people that have submitted proposals and be letting them know uh, who will be speaking at the conference. And right after that, we'll, we'll announce it publicly and then open registration. And there's also a variety of other activities going on surrounding those days, correct? Oh, yes. Um, there, there will be a FreeBSD Developers Conference uh, in the two days before the conference proper. Uh, I guess it's more, more appropriate to call that a, a summit rather than a conference. Uh, they came last year. They had a very good time. They're coming back again this year. And that really um, shows the sort of support that the FreeBSD community has behind BSD CAN as indeed the other BSD project as well. Great. So I guess contrary to uh, perhaps at this point humorous rumors, BSD is not dying. Oh, no. No. Um, one of the benefits that Ottawa has as a conference location is that uh, there's many Europeans that literally don't or cannot go to the States for a conference. Uh, the exchange rate for the Americans means it's pretty good uh, value for them to come up here. Um, we've had people from New York say that they can travel up here spend two days at a conference, four nights in a hotel, and travel back to New York for less than it costs them to go to a single conference in New York City. That's great. So what uh, brought you into the BSD world? How did you get started with BSD? Uh, I got ADSL at home, and I asked a guy at work, he was a sysadmin, uh, I want a firewall because I've got my Windows box on here and it's connected 24 hours a day. I want a firewall. And so he gave me a computer and FreeBSD 2.27, I believe. And I installed that and it went from there. I think that was in late 98, I believe. Is the conference looking for not only papers and speakers, but also volunteers? Or are there other things that people can do to help out? Uh, there, there's two main things that people can do to help out. They can spread the word and they can come and volunteer to be um, helpers at the conference. Uh, you'll need helpers the day before, uh, the few days of the conference and the day after. There's, excuse me, there's a lot of social activities that go on in the days before and days after the conference. Uh, for example, registration on the Thursday night before the conference happens at a local pub. It starts about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, goes to about 8 o'clock, and then after that everyone's sort of hanging around the pub talking and drinking and eating. Um, so yeah, we'll need volunteers. Um, 
just contact us through the website. There's all kinds of email addresses there, and let us know uh, when you're available and what you'd like to do. And that, that website is bsdcan.org, right? Yeah, it is. Usually pretty good representation from all the different BSDs at the conference? Uh, yeah, yes, we do. It's, it's pretty representative of the uh, respective sizes of the project. Um, by far the greatest papers are with FreeBSD, and then NetBSD and, and Dragonfly and OpenBSD all sort of filter in to the other spots. And OpenBSD tends to have more papers than NetBSD. I think uh, that's because a lot of the NetBSD guys are, are quite busy and, and can't get, get away to the conferences as much. And I guess a lot of the core OpenBSD people are also up in Canada. Uh, yeah, they have a big developers conference in, in a couple of weeks before BSD camp. And uh, so I think that uh, keeps them busy. Uh, and the timing is pretty good because they have their, their conference uh, out west and then they come out to uh, Ottawa as well. Well, a number of them do make it here. Well, is there anything else you want to let people know about the conference? Um, basically, it's, it's a great conference to go to. It's very social. Um, it, it's a small group. Uh, it's very cheap. It's less than $200 Canadian to attend both days of the conference. We've got accommodation here. Uh, you can basically share a, a suite and residence, get your own room, uh, and, and it's $100 a night for two people, basically. So 50 bucks a night for your accommodation. It's an easy place to get to, and you're going to have a good time. It, it's the biggest uh, BSC conference around, definitely in North America, and I'm not sure if we're any bigger than Euro BSC con. But um, we're getting there, at least. All right, great. Well, I want to thank you for speaking with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for calling. And maybe we'll catch up with you after the conference and find out how it went. Oh, yeah, indeed. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Bye. Well, I want to thank Dan again for speaking with me. You can go to that website, bsdcan.org. It's being held in May this year, so go check it out. If you'd like to leave comments on the website for BSD Talk, it's bsdtalk.blogspot.com, or you can drop me an email at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time.